Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Tourism is one area in the city of Hamilton that I'm always fascinated by because I always wonder what, if you have someone, if you're bringing someone here to the city, where do you take them? There are plate. There are cities where it's super obvious where you would go. Hamilton, to me, has always been one of those interesting ones about what do you do with people. Ryan McHugh is the manager of tourism and events for the city of Hamilton. Joins me now. How are you, Ryan? I'm excellent. Uh, thank you for having me, Scott. Well, really appreciate it. The reason we're having Ryan on right now is because later this week, uh, the Visitor Experience Center, the tourism hub, I guess we'll call it, for the city of Hamilton is going to have a grand reopening, a new... You can go there, I guess, and get, Ryan, get the very ideas that I'm talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those of your listeners who may not be familiar, the uh, Tourism Hamilton Visitor Experience Center is located on the ground floor of the historic Lister Block building at the corner of James Street North and King William. And uh, as Tourism Hamilton, uh, our role really is to drive visitors to the city. And then once they're there, really connect them with our attractions, our restaurants, our great entertainment venues. So really, this is us providing, you know, the best information to help drive more business to our tourism stakeholders. Um, and really, yeah, that uh, we have our grand opening, as you said, on Friday. And we were able to, uh, toward the tail end uh, of COVID restrictions there, leverage a federal grant, which allowed us to do a complete uh, renovation of our visitor experience center. So it was just a top to bottom refresh. And in addition to cosmetically making it uh, you know, quite stunning, we were able to really rethink the way we offer this service. So Scott, if you remember perhaps in the past, you picture a visitor center, you picture walls of brochures. Yes. The issue with that is the second you print a brochure, it's out of date, right? So okay. as Tourism Hamilton, uh, we're really trying to drive visitors to our Tourism Hamilton website. So at tourismhamilton.com, because uh, that's current, that's information we can make sure... Uh, you know, as an event changes, we can update as well. So it's something where how do we use those digital tools to help guide visitors to that information? Because in the past, people tried, well, here, here's an iPad. But if you're coming into that space, you want a personal interaction. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of great technologies. An example, if you, you picture like Election Day, John King on CNN, he has the touch screen. So really, uh, it's uh, a technology like that where you come in, you have our staff there who are really knowledgeable about the best attractions, where to eat, where to go to see a, the game or the concert. And we help you know, guide you through a facilitated discussion using the digital channels. And uh, so that's something that just leverage our, our web content and getting away from more of the paper-based. Um, and this way, you know, we can track, well, how many uh, referrals have we had to this restaurant and this right. attraction? So we can really measure the economic impact. And one piece as well that's just, uh, I think your viewers really should check out in addition to uh, coming and seeing, you know, where, where to eat, where to play in Hamilton, we've partnered with our uh, civic museums uh, and they've implemented some museum space as well. So essentially uh, we have a great, a great civic museums example, Dundurn Castle, but it's hard to tell any story other than the Dundurn Castle story with that backdrop. So this is a, a neutral space right in our downtown core uh, where they can turn over different exhibits throughout the year to tell various uh, Hamilton stories. So in addition to coming and, uh, you know, getting some merchandise, finding out where to eat, where to play, you can also learn a little bit about Hamilton, whether you're a visitor uh, or a local. Uh, All right. Could, yeah. So so let me go back to the very first thing when I introduced this, because one of the, uh, one of the, 
challenges, I think. I mean, maybe you'll think otherwise, but if you are taking someone to Toronto, uh, you know, it's the CN Tower probably, or maybe Castle Loma. If you're going to Niagara, obviously it's Niagara Falls, or, you know, pick a city. There's usually one or two things that are easy tourist attractions. What is that in Hamilton? What When people yeah. come here, what is the thing that people are going to? So one thing, and especially we're seeing through COVID and out COVID, it's uh, it's our waterfalls. And, uh, you know, those really are our, you know, our CN Tower, our Eiffel Tower, if you will. And we just see through the activity of traffic on our site, people really want to experience our trails, experience our waterfalls. And if you go to uh, our website, and we can share information, of course, at the actual Visitor Experience Center of how to how to do that safely, where to park, you know, where to walk, where not to walk. So that is really one, but also... Uh, you know, as you're aware, we have great um, concerts, music, sports. So, uh, you know, if there's events happening on, we're certainly getting a lot of tourists coming into town to enjoy those. But in terms of, um, you know, what are people looking for? It's a lot of those outdoor recreational activities. And then, of course, there's the the Royal Botanical Gardens, the Warplane Heritage Museum. Uh, we have African Lion Safari, Dundurn Castle. So there are uh, some which are go-to attractions, which, of course, we can provide more information, whether on our website at tourismhamilton.com or if you visited our visitor center uh, on James Street North. Do people know that ahead of time? And again, I go back, let me use the Toronto example. I know everyone around here loves it when we compare ourselves to Toronto. I'm not comparing, <laughs> but but I mean, if you come from Chicago to visit Toronto, you probably have an idea ahead of time of what you're going to go see. Do people know this stuff before they come to Hamilton or do they find out about these things once they get here? So it's uh, so generally, of course, uh, not to the extent of Toronto or Chicago or New York, of course, because we're not that big of a city. Sure. But um, generally, we find that's our website. We get a lot of hits in advance, right, where people are doing this research. But to your point, Scott, it really is uh, they're discovering this for themselves. And that's kind of the role we play. It's, um, hey, what to do in Hamilton? And here it is packaged. We have a a downtown guide with our best restaurants and bars. We have a, a we call it our, our our bucket list. So it's the here's the must do in Hamiltons. But you're right, it's um it's sharing information. It's a bit of an education where some markets, you know, like Niagara Falls, they got the big waterfall. People know it's there and they know why it's there. But in Hamilton, we have a bit of a education. That's why things like our visitor experience center and things like our uh, website are such valuable tools. That would it would seem to me though give you. Uh, you're at a disadvantage on the one hand because you don't have those things, but you're also at a bit of a weird advantage because you can, I would think, almost tell people what they should be going to. You can you can write the script for them as opposed to having it done. Uh, it is a, a blank slate in that way, Scott, and that is a, a nice thing for Hamilton, the city who, um, you know, I would say is having a resurgent. And of course, you know, most cities during COVID had some setbacks, but generally we're on a upward trajectory and we really get to to tell our own story and help set that nail narrative. And, uh, you know, the days of uh, when I think Hamilton, I think smokestacks, we're hoping to move past that. And, you know, when you get to tell a narrative about um, waterfalls and beautiful trails and, you know, vibrant, vibrant uh, entertainment and music. So that's something we take great pride in. And I think it's a really important role to educate visitors on all that Hamilton has to offer. We only have a few seconds left, but does that put extra pressure on those people and groups that are running things that could be tourist attractions? Because you could get a lot more people there because people are open when they come to this city. If you just bump up your efforts and make it even a little bit better that you could be the one drawing everybody there. 
Yeah, it really is. Uh, the business is there for the taking. And for me, uh, you know, that would, that's a great problem to have, the fact that uh, our attractions are busy, our restaurants are busy. Uh, you know, if I've done that, I, I feel our team at Tourism Hamilton and the city more broadly have done our job. So, um, you know, absolutely, it's, it's something we work very closely with the various attractions and sports franchises and uh, entertainment venues just to make sure we're all current and working together towards that same outcome. That is Ryan McHugh. He is the manager of tourism events for the city of Hamilton. Uh, it is this Friday that the Visitor Experience Center reopens. If you want to go see it, you've maybe never been there. I don't know if I say probably never been there, but maybe uh, at the Lister Block. You can uh, Next time you're down there, go take a look. Ryan, thanks for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care, Scott. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Sitting beside me, Steve Foxcroft, international man of renaissance-ness, but he is the effervescent Steve Foxcroft now, the host of the Sound of Music Parade from the other day on cable TV. And like you do a little bit of everything. I, I'm that guy, a man of a thousand disguises. You are, but but effervescent. Eff- I don't know yeah. anyone who ever, has ever been described as effervescent <laughs> I before. Do not, I do not use words I can't spell <laughs> to describe myself. I don't know if I can spell that either, <laughs> quite right. honestly. It would take you a few tries. That's, that's why we sure. have That's why we have spell check on our phones now. <laughs> Master of the house. I can play that on the piano. That's my well, uh, another hidden challenge. Well, don't give the answer challenge. away. No, 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 yet. Don't, don't do give the that. Answer away don't yet. do that. But yeah. I can play on the piano. All and right. hey, Don Robertson, yes. I have big shoes to you fill. You have big shoes to yeah. fill. Well, not only that, but he's got a gigantic head, so you've got a big hat to fill as well. <laughs> right. The last time I had shoes this big, I think it was about 1992. Okay. The dream, well, whatever was the dream team, like the second edition of okay. it was in Toronto for the and World Hamilton. Cha- yeah, Hamilton for the World Championship. Yep. So they had they asked us to go ref the games or the the practices, sorry, okay, the dream okay. team practices because they were almost tougher than the games when they would scrimmage amongst yes. themselves. So we go in and I'm sitting on the sidelines because they would do drills and then they'd have a scrimmage and they'd, we'd ref. But Shaquille O'Neal's shoes were sitting there, his flip-flops. So I put two of my feet, both of my feet into one flip-flop. I'm amazed that companies would make those. And they must have been custom made just for him. I'll, I'll say this about, so, and you've covered a ton of basketball. You've mm-hmm. refed and, and worked in basketball for years and years, of course, your dad and refereeing and everything else, the whole family. For years when I would go cover basketball, and you remember when they used to, NBA guys used to come, they used to have games here in mm-hmm. Cops. They used to have a, a preseason game usually. Every year. Anybody who was over seven feet was legitimately the height that was posted. When oh, Ralph yes. When Ralph Sampson would come mm-hmm. in at seven foot four, you look and you go, yeah, that's a seven foot four guy. Right. I was down in Houston one time for the Hamilton Bulldogs, and um, uh, um, what's his name? Houston Rockets. Oh. Well, Ralph Sampson played no, there no, no, too, but the, 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 rocket, the Chinese. Aki, oh, no. uh, Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Yao Ming, yeah. Yao Ming, thank you. Yao Ming happened to walk by when I was interviewing a bulldog. He's seven foot seven or seven right. foot six. Enormous. If you're over seven feet tall, you are every bit the height that they list you at. Right. If you're under seven feet, I had guys who were listed at six eight, and I'm looking them eye to eye and going, "You are not six foot eight. That's right. There is no chance. You are getting the WWE height boost here. Hulk Hogan <laughs> was not six foot eight. Right, but he had the pythons. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's so it's amazing to me how some of these things. Well, let's give him an extra few inches because yeah. it sounds better. Exactly. But those uh, those were neat days back when we had a game a year at yeah. Cops Coliseum, and I think the original floor they used early on was the floor they used in the '76 Olympics. Was it? Yeah, and they brought it in from Montreal, and it was shorter than regulation. 
And then cops bought their own floor, floor eventually. Remember, it was that orange color yes, too, around yes. the border, and it was used for years too. I don't know where that's gone to now, but now it seems like like the Raptors have about three floors they use. You want to know something? I I when they finally get around to doing the construction at First Ontario Centre for the renovations, they should like have a camera crew when they go through that thing because they're going to find stuff oh. probably in corners of that arena. Now it's only 35 years mm-hmm. old, 37, but I bet you there's stuff there they're going to stumble across. They're going to go, where did this come yeah. from? There's some great memories there. Sure yeah. there is. Before we move along, Don Robertson, again, the big shoes to fill. I put my shoes in, Shaq comes over and goes, hey, what do you do with my flip-flops? And <laughs> and I've never been so scared. And then he smiles wide, like he was joking with me. And thank, thankfully he was. Yeah. Like I was actually scared for a minute because he, he is, is a large man. He's intimidating. He is yeah. a large man and one of the friendly, I mean, by all accounts, I've not met him, but one of the friendliest yes. and most jovial people around. But yeah, he, uh, imagine if he was curmudgeonly <laughs> yeah. or just like mean, like that's a guy that could do some damage. Yeah. He could, he could just toss you. No problem. Uh, by the way, uh, if you don't know Steve Foxcroft, who was talking here, he is a uh, basketball official. He is a football official. He is a TV guy. He is a little bit of this. He's a little bit of that. And as I say, he does parades as well, which, uh, is, uh, he is branching into all, all new territory now. That, uh, Sound of Music Festival parade was a lot of fun. Uh, we've done it for years. They had the flock of seagulls at the Sound of Music. They had flock of seagulls there. Unbelievable. Um, Men Without Hats, Safety Dance from, like, yeah. that takes me back to when I was oh, a kid. Oh, no kidding. And The Spoons, Burlington's own The Spoons. Remember and it was dynamite. A few years ago, for the 100th anniversary of the Grey Cup, when it was in Toronto, on Front Street, they had closed all of Front Street for the Grey Cup Festival, and I'm walking along there one day, and Platinum Blonde is playing. And I am looking at Platinum Blonde and I know the songs and I know Mm -hmm. the band and I've put the two and two together and I'm looking at one or two of them and I'm like, wait a second, you're bald. I don't remember Platinum Blonde. I mean, we all know back in the 80s, the hair and everything else, but yeah, same with Flock of Seagulls now. It's exactly that. They've aged a bit, but it still takes you back and those songs are how we grew up. And you know, you mentioned the Bulldogs and that you and I worked a long time ago together doing Bulldogs game. Uh, my very, very, so this is, uh, this is going to probably be, I don't know if this is of any interest to people listening, but we'll do it anyway. My very first time on television ever was doing that game on cable 14. And I remember there was you who was hosting. There was me, there was Rick Natras, there was Glenn Allen, who's a big guy. Yeah. And there was one other person who will remain nameless. Who's a very small little person, <laughs> uh, relatively speaking to the rest of us who are all six foot something. And you, we were all sitting on these chairs and you introduced Rick Natras first because he was closest to you. And then I think me and then Glenn Allen and the camera kept panning. And we got to the last person who was the smallest guy, the hydraulic on his chair had given out <laughs> and all, and the camera had to go down and all you could see was his <laughs> chin on top of the desk. Exactly. And we're we all, ourselves. we started laughing so hard. We had, we couldn't even do the. <laughs> So it was so ridiculous. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do because oh. that thing just <laughs> had just given out right when the camera came. The, it was, you know, we gave this, we're going to go all these directions. I yeah. know you want to talk about stuff, but we gave Michael Anlauer his start we because did. we saved the Bulldogs back then and bought the team. My, my dad put together all these people, like everyone in Hamilton owned okay, a piece yeah, of the yeah. team, right? There were about 10 people. Yeah. You're right. And then, and then, um, 
the next year or two, it was within a year or two where Ann Lauer came to my dad and said, forget about you guys. I want it. I want it. I want to own the whole thing by myself. I'm sure they all want it out. Yeah, exactly. We were all like, are you serious? No problem. problem. Because we saved the Bulldogs. There was that committee together. We saved the Bulldogs. You and I with that. Yeah, we covered the games. Meanwhile, the team did good too. The team did really well. And the other, another time we were doing TV, I remember was the longest game in AHL history. (laughs) <laughs> we were doing that game on TV and it was like, okay, you know, like some of us have to get up in the morning yeah. and it was going on and on. But and we we're running out of things to talk about between all the periods. Yeah, the well, overtime. Rick Natras could, uh, could keep us going yeah. with stories. So, um, speaking of longest games, I will tell you last night's Ticats game felt like one of the longest <sighs> games ever. They, I'm look, it's very early and I'm not suggesting that what we're seeing now is the finished product, but right now they stink. I, I, you try and sum it up and you keep going with different things. And I guess I keep coming back to unacceptable. Like if Ange Mosco was around right now, unacceptable. He, that's what he'd say. You know? So and Steve Milton has pointed out in, in this piece today that this is now the 13th time in 18 seasons they've started 0-2. How is that possible? How is it possible? Because it's not all the same guys. Right. It's all new guys. It's all, and yet year after year after. Now, they generally turn it around. They often win the East. It's not like, that's why I say it's way too early to make any kind of judgments, but how is it that the same organization can consistently start so poorly? Boy, I, you're asking me to rewind a little bit to go over all these years and I'm just still, um, reeling from the last two weeks, right? Like against Winnipeg, first game, you're on the road, you kind of go, okay. But we got Toronto with like nine new starters, a, a quarterback that hasn't played more than 10 snaps. We're going to go in there and we'll write, write the ship using an Argo expression, but we'll write the ship. And then not only did we not write the ship, we looked bad. They look very bad. They look, the offense looks terrible. The defense doesn't stop anybody right now. In fact, last week, when they were playing uh, against Winnipeg, had they not had six or seven really good minutes with special teams mm-hmm. and defense where Winnipeg kind of went to sleep, you'd oh. be looking at two blowout losses to start the year. I mean, already the offense is looking horrible, but at least last week that short burst from the special teams and defense made it look kind of respectable. One of the things, too, that I'm worried about is Calgary made a decision on Bo. Bo Levi Mitchell and like Schiltz came in and looked, and I know it's kind of garbage time and all that, but he looked better and I'm going, is his shoulder, is he able, is he recovered? Is he able Ma, to throw the ball? See, he's, he's thrown some deep balls and actually overthrown guys. So right. I'm not as worried. This is not like, to me, this is not like back in what year did Jason Moss come here from Edmonton and left his shoulder in Alberta. Yeah. He left shoulder out there, but he, like, he was done mm-hmm. when he got here. He could not throw at Paul ball more than 20 yards. And you were like, what is going on? I don't see that, but I, I, I okay. Even if it's not physical. Has he regressed? And again, I, it's way too early. Mm-hmm. It's way too early. This is a this is an eighteen game season. It's two games, and they always turn things around. But it's not been impressive. You know, I'm liking it to playoff hockey, basketball, even baseball. You could say where the series doesn't start until someone loses at home. So I'm gonna give them that a bit and sort of go, okay, now we have a home game coming up. Short turnaround, ba ba ba. 
Montreal plays us tough all the time. Montreal has new ownership. They seem to be, have a little bounce in their step. They're coming off a buy. So I'm scared. I'm scared now. I'm, I'm not pushing the panic button yet, but I'm scared. But this is a must-win game in week three. Mm. Can, it, can it be? No, no, no. Because here's the thing. I, I really believe, I mean, in the East, especially looking at how bad Ottawa looks, and Edmonton is not going to be crossing over anytime, so you maybe got... Anyway, I, you could go 0-9 to start this year, and you'll still make the playoffs in the East. So you subscribe to everything change at Labor Day, and, and the season starts at Labor Day, really, yeah, especially which I think in is, the East. Which I said to Scott Thompson earlier today, maybe the worst advertising slogan any league has ever had. The first half of our year, doesn't matter. Now buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah. It's like the worst advertising ever, but it's true. You could go, oh, now, not always in the West, but in the East, you could go 0-9 and make the playoffs. Make the playoffs and then win three games. And then win yeah. two. Yeah, two and, games. And get to the yeah, Grey Cup game the and Grey then Cup. win the third. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as, as Don Roberts, I'm filling in for Don Robertson, so he'll say something like this. And I know the Cats, Brass, they're going to think, well, we're going to start a win streak starting Friday, right? Sure. Well, Don Robertson would tell you, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning, right? Yeah. So yeah. you can't win all the games if we don't start on Friday. I, I do absolutely expect that this team is not going to be challenging the 2002, was it 2003? Mm. What team was it that, w- that almost went winless? That's not this yeah, team. That, yeah. This team has talent. This team is going to do fine. They'll, they'll be in the playoffs. There's no chance. I'm fully expecting that once things get rolling that this team is probably going to be playing in the Grey Cup at home. That's kind of how I think they will figure it out somehow. But uh, as I say, I just don't, I don't get it. And one other thing that you mentioned about Bo Levi Mitchell and, you know, uh, Calgary had made a decision on him. Watching yesterday with the Argos, they've got a new quarterback. Mm -hmm. Other teams have made decisions Hamilton has a track record now of chasing the guy who was the guy, Jason Moss and Casey Printers and Bo Levi Mitchell and... David Archer back in the day. But guys who have been stars elsewhere Mm -hmm. and then they get dazzled by their former greatness and they come here and they're not as good. Who are the guys who have been really good here? Well, over the years, yeah, Danny McManus. Mm Uh, he had been that, he falls into that category, but other teams all develop a guy. So you've got Chad Kelly in Toronto, who mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to be, but he sure looked good yesterday. You know, I thought yesterday too, he had NFL game numbers, right? When you look at his stat line, 213, what was it? 16 of 23, something like that. It yeah. was like an NFL number where but the week before Kalaros put up CFL numbers, like 370 yards or something like that, but he managed the game. But I just wonder, and this is the point, I just wonder, okay, so Bo Levi Mitchell left the game last night with a quad or groin or some kind mm-hmm. of injury. Orlando Stonair descri- describes it as lower body. He's following the Pat Quinn school yes. of, uh, of injuries. But if, if it's a short week this week because they play Friday, if Matt Schiltz has to play and Matt Schiltz plays well, here's the problem the Ticats now have. You may have, I, I like Matt Schiltz. Mm-hmm. I think he is a good looking young quarterback. Mm-hmm. He may turn out to be a really good quarterback. Is there any possible way though that you can play him when you're paying Bo Levi Mitchell half a million bucks to be your starter. And I agree with you. You cannot. There's 100% no way can you do that. So that's one of those ones where you say to Bo, you're still hurt. 
like you know, you're growing, whatever it is, you're still hurt. But but you need him. If, but if he's, you need him to come back and mm-hmm. get some reps in, so you can't have him sit for too long. That's right. And I don't see any likelihood. In fact, I'd be I like I literally. This might be the most shocking thing ever. If let's say Matt Schultz comes in and plays really well for four or five mm-hmm. games, I don't think it'll go that long. Could you ever see the Tie Cats saying? You know, it's before Labor Day. We can cut Bo Levi Mitchell and save that money and put it to something. I I would oh. say no chance, no uh, chance. Yeah, I think their eggs are in his basket. Yeah. I don't. I can't see it too. I agree with you there. One hundred percent. You can't do that. No, but I will see. I mean, as I say, we'll we'll see what what Schultz does. I like the guy, but like so many other times, it seems we don't want to develop. So when Danny McManus was in the later mm-hmm. days of his career, um and was, you know, banged up and was slowing down. They had, now what was his name? He played, uh, he was the backup to, um, he was the backup at Boston College to the starter for the Falcons, to uh, Matt Ryan. The They had Cody Ledbetter. It wasn't it Cody wasn't Led- I'll Cody, think of the guy's though. name, but yeah. they had, this, they had this, this backup quarterback who, I don't know whether mm-hmm. he was going to become a CFL quarterback or not, but Ron Lancaster, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. Would not that the team was out of the playoff race? McManus is banged up like crazy, and it's like, why are you not using these last three or four or five games of the year to see what you've got for next year? And he kept running Danny McManus out of there, out there, and it's the same kind of thing. It's like, what this is something that the franchise has done over the years is you've got young guys who may be something or may not be something. But then you bring someone in to take all the playing time, and we never know. That's right. And and it's so frustrating. Like, I think Mike Kerrigan was the last guy and a Grey Cup winning guy again. It's like the two guys you go back to, to me anyway, like, is what you said, McManus. Then you had Mike Kerrigan. Before that, Tom Clements, right? Like, those are the the best quarterbacks we've had. Go back to Chuck Ely, too, I guess. But Quinton Porter is Quentin who I was Porter, thinking Quinton Porter, yes, that's Quentin it. Quinton Porter is who I'm thinking of. Right. We never found out. We never found yeah. out. And then, and, and look, and, and my, my suggestion isn't flawless because, you know, they thought they had something with Timmy Chang and it turned out that that was a guy who there wasn't anything there. So it's not that, it's not that you're guaranteed the backup is always the most popular player in the city because everyone's looking yeah. going, Hey, bring him <laughs> in. He'll be great. And they're not always, but at least give the person a chance. The one thing. Getting back to Bo for just a second, the one thing you said that I thought of more coming out of game one than game two was, yeah, he did miss a lot of deep balls. They had like four or five opportunities for deep balls where he overthrew or underthrew. Didn't see that last night as much, right? In fact, he threw one away that was picked off. Yeah, (laughs) a little too much Yeah, but that's where I guess I'm leaning to, I'll accept your point of view with Bo there. Of that it's touch more than well, arm. Yeah, let's hope so. But it's a different throw. Like the long, the deep ball, you've got to throw it, but it's more of a lob ball too, right? Where I want him to be able to throw that out. In the Canadian game, you got to throw it on a rope yeah. to the sideline. Yeah, right? you got to so, step into it and heave it. And we'll, yeah. we'll see. Like, I, again, I, I, I look at this and I think to myself, you know, if, if, if we're a third of the way in, if we're six games in, and the offense is still sputtering along, then, you know, even though we're still not at the nine-game Labor Day mark, uh, then mm. you go, okay, maybe there's an issue here. But 
I, maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just blindly optimistic or, or looking too much at tradition or history when I see every year they go through the same thing, but it, they just bound to figure it out. And then they, they play with their pants on fire after Labor Day, like last year, to get in, and then it's the CFL model, though. Nothing wrong with it. Win your couple games, you're in the Grey Cup. Yeah, and, and you know, you're hosting this year, and, and that more than anything, more than anything, that's probably why... What I'm talking about, about developing a guy, mm-hmm. it's not this year's model. You bring in Bo Levi Mitchell because you're hosting. You didn't win the Grey Cup last time you were hosting. You got to win it this time. It's been, they're the team with the longest streak. It's the last chance you're going to be hosting it for who knows how long. You've got to win it this year. You got to be there at least. At the very least, you've got to be in the game just to make that whole week and festival and everything else really fly. Yeah. And the one thing they got to do, I think, they have to do something before Labor Day. Like we talked about, the season starts after Labor Day, but the good weather games are now before Labor Day, and they got to do something in the home games to keep the crowd engaged. They got to get the Hamilton fans engaged in this Grey Cup season to want to come to the ballpark, want to support the team. So that's the only thing, though, that I worry about is got to win this Friday for that. Like, do it for the hometown crowd and to keep them engaged. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, as I say, they look terrible. I, I Here's the prediction, and I don't do predictions, but I don't think Bo Levi Mitchell's playing this week because if uh, unless he has a miracle recovery, he looked like a guy mm-hmm. who in a short week it would be tough, but maybe. But if he doesn't, I think Matt Schultz comes in, and I think Matt Schultz looks, Schultz looks really good. I and then you've got yourself a quandary. Right. And that, that's what will happen for sure, because as long as they do good and with the hometown crowd into it and behind them, yep. that'll help, that'll make the defense better on its own. The opponent being isn't Montreal as yeah. isn't as good. That's going to make it better on their own. Schiltz, all he's got to do is enough. Don't make the mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. Manage the game like Chad Kelly did yesterday. Yep. Then they win. Now everything's good again, except... Uh, maybe a quarterback controversy. Yeah, imagine we have a after getting Bo Levi Mitchell in the off season, you have a quarterback controversy after game three. Not what anyone thought, but uh, all right, Steve, I got to read you the first line from a uh, a story here from uh, Yahoo Finance, and I had to read this twice to believe what I was reading. <laughs> For the first time in the fifty-five year history of the Special Olympics World Games. Fans and viewers will be able to wager on the beloved international sporting event. What do you think about gambling on the Special Olympics? That is beyond crazy. That is... You can gamble on track and field, basketball, cycling, powerlifting, soccer, and swimming. I'm just shaking my head on that one. It's... Up there with professional wrestling, like betting on professional wrestling. But it's worse than that, isn't it? Because you've got athletes here who are all challenged mm -hmm. intellectually or developmentally in some way. And I don't, I mean, they're trying their best. I'm not suggesting otherwise. They're giving everything they got, but I'm not, it's different from other sports. It's intentionally Uh, different from other events. Oh man, that is going way beyond. And you are right. You set that up perfectly, by the way, to say it's not what you're thinking. I wasn't thinking that at all. I can't even, I'm, I'm speechless on a radio show. That's crazy. (laughs) No, you can't do that. That's just not right. And it's in Yahoo Finance. Well, here's what they say. 
just like any other sport, we've created special Olympics odds behind weeks and weeks of research. These are incredibly skilled athletes competing on an even playing field, and our odds makers will give these World Games the same level of attention and respect as the Super Bowl. So I'm reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's two ways to take this. One is maybe if people are wagering on it, they're going to pay more attention, and you will help build it up. Okay, I, I, that, that's a that's a possibility because we've seen that with other sports. I mean, heaven knows, uh, you know, March Madness is what it is because of gambling. But I still can't get my head around the fact that it's the Special Olympics. And you also need a platform to usually, if you're going to bet on it, you want to watch it, right? And I don't, I haven't ever tuned in to much Special Olympic coverage in any. Uh, media platform. So that is difficult in itself. And then what you just read there, the term even playing field, how do they define that? What is an even playing well, field I, where you just said? I th- think what they're probably meaning, if I'm reading between the lines, that may be a shot that nobody's doing steroids or something in this, and therefore you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. That's how, wow. that's my interpretation of what that line mm-hmm. means. I don't know what their interpretation meant to be, but uh, you know, like that's that's just. Getting... I, it seems we're it seems we've reached the very like very quickly reached the end of the road right. in gambling if we're at Special Olympics already. That is that is very difficult to to be comfortable with. Like, is, yes. and is there limits? Like, what you know how Drake. And uh, Holyfield, not Holyfield, um, the money guy, uh, the boxer. Oh, Mayweather. Uh, Mayweather. Mayweather. Yeah, May- Money Mayweather. You know how they're known for outrageous wagers that they place. And even that mattress guy, the guy yeah, that yeah, wins on the Super Bowl. Yeah. So what if they go into Special Olympics uh, events, track and field, and, and put a million-dollar wager on? I just can't see that being business savvy at the very least for these books it it just somehow seems to me and others may differ entirely but it seems to me that you're you're i don't know not tainting that's not the right word but yeah it just seems it seems wrong because it seems like that's not pure winning is not what the special olympics is supposed to be it's and, it's, and don't be confused, but not you, but don't for people. This mm-hmm. is not the Paralympics. The Paralympics is entirely different. Right. That is, that is in, you are supposed to win. You are training to win it. And I know you are in special mm-hmm. Olympics too, but again, very different. This is, this is people with various challenges and delays. It's not the same. Right. It's, I'm involved in a, the wizard foundation, a group of guys who started run by Bob Nicholson, okay. former uh, hockey Canada, Edmonton, there's Toronto, Argonaut. He's like me, he's got a million titles and we raise money every year through events for the special Olympics. And you're right. Like the kids that we bring to our events and all of that, you just can't see them. It's what you just said. You can't see them being involved in like, oh, I'm going to wager on what he's doing in the summer track and field meet. Like, Well, can you imagine when happening. we get to the point now where people are scouting the right. training? Yeah. And again, maybe that's maybe that's ideal. Maybe that actually is great because you're now going to make so many more people tune in to watch and it becomes a much bigger viewer thing and maybe TV ratings go through the roof and 
Uh, I don't know. It but just what feels... about this? Like we see the professional athletes that get heckled and so on and so forth. So say oh. you've lost a hundred bucks and then you start berating Some a special, special Olympian, Olympian for not crossing the finish line first or something like that. It's just not right on many levels. And that to me is the biggest level right there. That example. Yeah. What if, okay, so I, I I'm going to show my ignorance here for just a second because I haven't watched every sport in Special Olympics right. that closely. You see highlights and I've And you know, you know the type of individual that it is. And yeah. And so what if like are they that strict with the rules in every single event? I I truly don't know. It just seems to me you are you are just asking for something here that you're not intending. It can, yeah, because it can go down a good path, but quickly turn down a negative path. Mm. I think where these kids uh, get, they just get something out of it and they're treated special and they're just, they, it's they different. beam, right? Yeah, it's when different. Yeah. It's intended to be different. It is different. It's wonderful. I don't know that we need to. No. Introduce add, wagering no. It seems, into it. Anyway, let me, let me know. You can text us 905-645-3221. What do you think about wagering wow. on Special Olympics? That's Don uh, Robertson, if he was here, he would lose it on that one. He would be, he would be, give you a Don Robertson <laughs> answer. Well, I got a Steve Foxcroft <laughs> yeah, answer instead. There you go. Steve, I don't know if you got to see the highlights or watch the whole thing, but um, as as is now the custom, the Vegas Golden Knights had their Stanley Cup parade and everything else, and it appeared that most of the members of the Vegas Golden Knights are going to need to have their stomachs pumped <laughs> afterwards. Uh, Along with half the city. <laughs> yeah, but some of those players yeah, were, were... They were gone. And so uh, my, my thought on this as I was watching this is, is... Are these like way over the top, incredibly drunken Stanley Cup or NBA celebrations? Are they fun and charming and quirky or are they just kind of obnoxious and kind of, I don't know, stupid? So you got me on this one because I'll be forthright up front and say the drinking aspect and people changing their personality and all that just doesn't fly with me ever. Now... It seems lately, more and more in the last few years, you've seen it's become more public eye, right? Like, well, it's like now they're the in thing. fountains. Yeah, they're the it's the thing to do. Yeah, get it as probably, hammered as you possibly can, and that's and how that, you and act like that. Yeah. like act like it. So, and it's probably happened for many more years than we've been privy to in the public. But now it seems to be the norm of like try and top. Well, one Ovechkin another. getting into the fountain and yeah. stuff. But I mean, I just like again, I don't want to be the old stodgy guy. But I'm trying to think back to no, let's go way back, like 1967. Dave Keon wearing a suit and tie, mm -hmm. driving in the convertible, just holding the cup right. down. Or even in Toronto, like in Montreal, I can't fathom. Yvonne Cornwaye getting into a fountain and giving speeches like now it's different times. I understand. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe this is now the, th it's all cool. I just, I don't know. I, I, it almost seems like we've sort of hit the extent, but everyone keeps trying to push it, but it's like, how much more can you push without dying? And I've never found it funny to be honest with you when someone acts like that and just is beyond comprehension and everything like that. So I've never found it funny. 
I don't see this funny. I see Vegas as a wonderful place that goes over the top with every party that they throw, which seems to be three a day, every day of the year. But this kind of stuff, I just don't care for it. So it's, it's, I don't like seeing it. I just think like, kind of what you said, just, it's like when they say you score a goal, act like you've been there before. Not like act winning the Stanley Cup is like, Act like you've hey, been there I don't before. expect them to be teetotalers. No, right? I don't expect, but but you know, but string a sentence together. Don't go you, way beyond that. If to me, if you're so drunk that you t- will wake up in the morning and have no idea what you said to a crowd of two hundred thousand people, uh, I, I Even, mean, maybe it's just me. I wouldn't want to do that, but. Maybe, you know, like it's getting tons of social media play, so yeah. maybe that's all it's about. When when Brett Hall was doing Gloria like that and it was just belligerent and all that, I didn't even find, I love the Gloria theme and them playing the song and all of that. But when he did it, like I always loved the Steve Kerr one in Chicago when he told a story completely sober and he tells the story about, well, Phil called the play and it looked like, you know, I got to bail out Michael again yeah. <laughs> like that. No one was drunk. They were maybe smoking cigars, but and it was funny. I kind of like that celebration. Yeah. Well, it's um, it is certainly. It seems as though now the, it is the the thing. And to say the Capitals, Alex Ovechkin. I mean, I worried he was going to drown yeah. in that fountain. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be the thing now. Is let's get as absolutely hammered as we can, and then. Incident. I, and I, I, again, I, maybe, I think I, I think I sound very stodgy when I say that, but no. I'm, I'm. Well, maybe it's our age and everything like that. We're we're, we're at that again, age. I'm not saying don't drink out of the cup. No. And, and you're probably. I mean, look, even Tom Brady was oh, hammered was, at yeah. the last mm-hmm. at the last thing, and so it's just it's the it's the new. It's not just hockey and basketball. I mean, it's the new, it seems to be that you celebrate and this is the way you celebrate. And maybe that's just, we got to get used to it because that's maybe, what we're going to yeah, see. Maybe they're athletes and they can bounce back from it better than, because, you know, you often hear people say, well, I can't drink like I used to when I was yeah, a well, kid and 23. all that. Yeah, we're not, yeah. <laughs> but even Tom Brady, the footage we saw was afterwards and him kind of leaving the, the events and all the whole day of it. And it was, it was someone just getting him in his last few steps home and stuff like that. So to that point, even Tom Brady, I think was at the end of it all, he probably went a little too far, but I just, I just don't care for it. I don't care for it day to day. I don't, I just don't like it, but I was just going to say, I do have a connection to them uh, through Chris uh, Davidson Adams, the trainer. Oh yeah. So I've been waiting to email him. I talked to him three or four times through each year and I've been waiting to email him, knowing that he's probably not too attentive to emails just yet. Yeah, the phone may be at the bottom of a fountain somewhere. Right, exactly. Uh, and Steve, very quickly, uh, you wanted to do a quick shout out here. Burlington Golf and Country Club hosting the Ontario Amateurs the, tomorrow and the next day and into Thursday. And my brother, Ronnie Foxcroft, qualified. There you go. Along with another good friend, Ben Snydero. So good luck to them the next there few days at Burlington uh, the Ontario Amateurs. The, you know who didn't qualify? You and I. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. I'm still on the front nine. I'm, I'm uh, the computer that counts the shots broke. It burned up and overheated. Uh, hey, thanks for coming in and doing this today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.